we continue through the Bible, we, we come to the book of Daniel and probably one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament or in the Bible. It's a, it's a story that's been told in Sunday school for hundreds of years. It's been put on flannel boards. It's been made into veggie tale stories. It's a story that if you have been in church any amount of time, you have heard this story preached repeatedly, and you, you know the story pretty well. This story uh, that we're going to look at this morning, it takes place 60 years after the first Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem. But before we get there, I want us to catch up to where we are in the story of the Bible so far. Uh, this, this story takes place, or the book of Daniel, it occurs directly after the events of the book of Jeremiah. Now, the story of Daniel is actually found in 2 Kings chapter 24. And in this chapter, in 600 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, he comes down from the north, he conquers uh, Jerusalem, he basically he, he lays siege to the, the city of Jerusalem, and he destroys the temple, and he destroys Jerusalem while Jehoiakim is king. After conquering the city, destroying the walls, destroying the temple. He takes the golden vessels of worship that are in the temple. He takes the, the golden candlestick and the brazen laver, and he takes all the, the golden tools of worship and vessels of worship that Israel has in the temple. He takes them back to Babylon to be put in the temple of his false gods. But he does something a little bit worse as well. He, he commands his leaders to take the best of the people of Jerusalem, the best men, the best women, the most talented, the wisest, the most powerful, to take them captive back to Babylon as slaves. Four of the men that are taken captive are in the kingly line of David. They are related to David, and if things had gone as it should have, they would have ended up, one of these men would have been king, and they're taken back to Babylon as slaves, and their names are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but these are their Hebrew names. Now, the book of Daniel, it follows the lives of these four men as they serve these wicked kings of Babylon. And there, there's a lot of great stories in the, the book of Daniel. And if we were to go through the book of Daniel, kind of verse by verse or story by story, we could spend a long time looking at these stories, but we're not going to do that. We're going to focus on one story this morning. But there's a story in the first, in the chapter one, where Daniel and his friends, they refused to eat the meat that was provided for them or the food that was provided for them because it went against the, the Jewish dietary restrictions. And so they, they, they just eat uh, vegetables and water. It's, it's what has been you know, promoted and marketed as the Daniel diet. <laughs> where all you're eating is vegetables and you're not, you're drinking water. See, I am, I am religiously opposed to the Daniel diet because you can't have coffee on it. And I just think that's a sin. And so any, any diet that says you can't have coffee, I'm like, you're of the devil. Forget that. But Daniel and his friends, they just, they just ate the vegetables and they just drink water. And after a, after a long time, they're looked at and they are called 10 times better 
than all the other people who were taken. Remember, the other people taken from Jerusalem, they're Jewish too. They have these same religious dietary restrictions as Daniel and his friends, but they ate what it was, whatever was given them. They ate the meat that was given to them. Daniel and them refused, and they're found ten times better. There's a story of, of course, the fiery furnace, where Nebuchadnezzar builds the, the idol of himself and declares that everyone, when the, when the trumpets blow, they must bow down and worship it, and the trumpets blow, and everyone bows down and worship, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say, where was Daniel? He was bowing down. No, we don't know where Daniel was. But they're thrown into the fiery furnace, but they're spared by the glory of God and the power of God. And then, of course, we have the story of, that we're going to look at today, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We've got the story of the visions of Nebuchadnezzar, where Daniel interprets his dreams, and Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy and becomes a wild man. We've got the story of the handwriting on the wall. We've got the visions of Daniel that are just, just, just wonderful visions of what's going to happen in the end times. And so there's a lot of stuff we can focus on in the book of Daniel, but we're just going to look at Daniel in the lion's den. But the stories all have one common theme. All we need is faith to overcome any adversity we face. We face. And we've all heard it. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand up for what's right. You stand for God, and no matter what happens to you, God will protect you. And I don't want to take away from that because there is an aspect of that to this story, and I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a man who stands up for God and boldly proclaims the, the word of God and just lives for God no matter what anyone says. I want to be that type of man. I want to live believing that God still works for his people. But this book isn't about how great Daniel is. This book is about how great God is. And we see that in the circumstances that Daniel faces. You know, Daniel's entire life, is filled with adversity. He's kidnapped from his home as a young teenage boy. He is taken to a, a foreign pagan land where he is expected to serve these foreign pagan kings. He is taken in, he is made a eunuch, which I'm not going to get into. Don't Google it. But he suffers incredibly in his teenage years. He's forced to conform to this, this, pagan, this pagan lifestyle, this pagan culture. They change his look. They change his diet, but he refuses. They, they change his name. You know, his name's not Daniel in Babylon, but they change his name. They change everything about him to try to force him to conform to this, this wicked lifestyle. He serves kings who... They're, they're wicked. They serve false gods, but they're also kind of temperamental. If you are an employee of the king and you don't do what you're supposed to do, the king just kills you. That's who he's serving. That's who he has to live with. His entire life is surrounded by struggles. His, everything that makes up his Jewish identity is removed from him. He spends his life working with people that are prejudiced against him, that hate him, and try to discredit and destroy him. And I know looking at it, we're like, well, I, I don't have a lot in common with Daniel. I've not been kidnapped from my childhood home. I've not been forced to live in a culture that I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm opposed to, that hates me and hates my God. But the fact is, though our circumstances may not be exactly the same, we've all faced adversity. 
We've all faced struggles in life. We've all faced times in life where we just don't understand what God is doing. Where, figuratively speaking, we feel like we've been thrown to the lions. And if, you know, the, the stories a lot of people try to tell us, if, if we just have faith like Daniel, no matter what we go through, no matter how many times we're thrown to the lions, we'll be fine. But that's just not true. There are a lot of people throughout, throughout the Bible, throughout history, who have figuratively and literally been thrown to the lions. They had faith. And it didn't work out for them. They were eaten by the lions. You know, in the first century, a lot of Christians were literally fed to the lions for sport. So the Roman emperor and the Roman citizens could, could laugh and mock at these believers who were, were thrown into the arena and had, had to fight lions. And guess what? The lions ate them. Did they not have faith? I mean, just like Daniel, they refused to bow down to a foreign god and a foreign government. They refused to, to say, no, I recant my religion. I give up on God. I'm going to follow your God. No, they stood firm and said, no, no matter what you do to us, we are never going to reject God. We're going to be faithful to God. And they were thrown to the lions and they died. They had faith. They had faith like Daniel. All the disciples faced adversity, every single one of them was martyred for their faith. They had faith, but they still died. It didn't work out for them. There are a lot of you who, figuratively speaking, have been thrown into the lion's den. You have faith in God. You believe that God's for you. You believe God's fighting for you. But he didn't shut the mouths of those lions. You suffered. Maybe you didn't physically die, but you, you lost a dream, you lost a loved one, you lost something. You think, God, I was, I was thrown to the lions and I had faith in you, but you didn't stop them. You didn't shut their mouth. How come? You know, sometimes God doesn't shut the mouths of the lions. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way we hope it will or the way we think it should. So the point of this story can't be to focus on Daniel's faith. It can't be if you have the same faith as Daniel, no matter how many lions you're thrown to, God will always shut their mouths. The point of the story isn't to focus on Daniel's faith, but to focus on the object of Daniel's faith. The story shows us that faith, what faith in the one true God looks like when we face adversity. What faith in the one true God looks like when we face the, the lions. See, this story shows us that faith in the one true God endures no matter what we face and no matter how it ends up. So why don't you get your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse number 1. 
Bible says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three princes, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was found in him and the king that thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, right now, in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is 78 years old. He's been in Babylon for about 60, 65 years. He's been away from Jerusalem. He's been away from home. He has been immersed in this pagan, wicked culture. He served under three kings by this time, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, and right now he is serving under Darius. By the end of this, he's going to be serving under Cyrus, a whole nether king. But under every king, he has been shown that he has incredible wisdom, He's been able to interpret dreams, and he's been promoted to high levels in every government that he served under. So he's been in a high place of government. Now, under King Darius, he is promoted to second in command over the entire Babylonian Empire. He is, and this, the kingdom is set up, it's got the king, but then it's, it's kind of got like princes and presidents and different men who are in charge of different areas of the kingdom or different, you know, realms of the kingdom. And Daniel is over top of all of them. It's Darius, Daniel, everybody else. And the other, the everybody else hates Daniel because of this. They're jealous. Why does this Jewish guy get to be in a higher position than true Babylonians and people who were born into the kingdom? And so they, they realize that, that they, they cannot bring Daniel down. Look at verse number four. The presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Wouldn't it be great if that could be said of you? I looked for a fault in him. The only problem I could find is he loves Jesus too much. I mean, how many of us can honestly say, if someone looked deep into our lives... I mean, God, you know, God looked at our web history, looked at everything we'd ever done, how we lived our life, what we watched on TV. They, they looked into our life. How many of us could honestly say, if they looked into my life that deep, all they would say is, I love Jesus too much? None of us. But Daniel, they say, man, we, we can't bring him down. He's, he's, he's truthful. He's honest. He's faithful. He's, he never does anything wrong. The only way we can snag him is if we try to use his God against him. So they realize the only way to bring him down is through his loyalty and faithfulness to God. So they go to Darius, and Darius is kind of an unwilling participant. He doesn't really understand what they're doing. They kind of come to him, and they're like, Darius, man, you're awesome. 
You're the best guy we've ever known. You're the best king we've ever had. And we've had some good kings. But man, you, you, Darius, are the greatest king that's ever been. And we should have a time where, I don't know, let's say 30 days, Darius, where no one can pray to any God. Everyone has to pray to you because you are that great. And Darius is like, you know what? I am? I'm pretty awesome. I am pretty good. This is like a good idea. Let's pass this law. No one can pray to any God. Everyone has to pray to me. Look what happens in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so Daniel, second in command over all of Babylon, he knows that Darius has just signed this law that no one in the entire kingdom, that includes Daniel, can pray to any God. They have to pray to Darius for 30 days. That goes against everything Daniel believes in. Darius isn't a God. He's going to pray to the only, the, the one true God. So look at what he says in verse 10. So when Dar now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his window being opened to his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. So Daniel's made aware of the law, and he doesn't care. He says, it doesn't matter what the law is. It doesn't matter what they're going to do to me. I'm not praying to a man. I'm not praying to a false God. And I'm not just going to not pray for 30 days. I'm going to walk with God just like I always have. So he goes to his house. He goes to his room. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't try to sneak around. He goes to where he always goes to do what he's always done. Opens up his windows, looks toward Jerusalem, and prays to God three times a day. His enemies know exactly where he is, exactly what he's going to do. So as soon as it's done, they see what he's doing. They let, the, let Darius know, and Daniel is punished because of his faith in God. See, the story shows us how Daniel's faith in God gave him the courage to face any adversity and endure it. Because Daniel knew the law was signed. If anyone prays to any God except Darius for 30 days, they're going to be thrown to the lions. When Daniel knelt to pray, he had no idea God was going to stop the mouths of the lions. He didn't know. All he knew was, God, you're the one true God. No matter what I face, no matter what I endure, no matter what they do to me, I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. Because look, Daniel knew if he gets thrown to the lions and they eat him, he still wins. He's out of Babylon. He's, he's in Abraham's bosom, not in heaven yet. A whole different topic to go to. But he's, he's, he's released from the, the struggles of this life. So... This story shows us, and they got one point this morning. I know you're shocked. Like, oh, one point. We'll get out of here before 1230. No, we won't. But here's the one point. How did Daniel have faith in God to be able to endure whatever he faced? Because Daniel knew where he belonged. Now, this, this matters more than you think. I want you to look at verse 10 again. Now, when Daniel knew... <clears throat> that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. 
He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Here's, here's what, this, what I'm talking about. Daniel never forgot his true home. More importantly, Daniel never forgot who he belonged to. He opens his, door, his windows towards Jerusalem and he prays towards Jerusalem three times a day. Now, praying towards Jerusalem was never commanded in the Bible. There is nowhere in Scripture where God says, when you kneel to pray, look towards Jerusalem and pray. Now, the Muslims pray toward, toward Mecca. They pray towards the temple, or the, 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 the dome of the Holy Rock. They pray towards their holy place. But God never said, you need to look towards Jerusalem when you pray. So why did Daniel do it? Because he never forgot where his true home was. He never forgot who his home was in. See, home is where you belong. Home is where people know your faults. They know your failures. They know your, your little aggravating habits. They know the things that get on their nerves. Like, you know, when they, when they come home and they change clothes and they leave their clothes on the floor by their dresser, instead of putting them 10 feet where the, where the, the thing is or putting them up, I'm not saying anyone I know does that. But if she did... I'd love her anyway. I'd accept her anyway. She accepts me for all my faults. I don't have many. But uh, we're not going to give her a time to name them. But home is where people know the true you, and they love you for it. They love you in spite of it. That's what God is for us. Look, God knows you better than anyone else in your household. See, your, your, your spouse... Your kids, your parents, they may know a lot about you. They may know some of the dumb things you've done through your life. They may know some of the bad habits you have or the annoying habits you have. But they don't know the, the thoughts you have. They don't know your true heart. God does. And no matter how wicked or vile or whatever your thoughts are, God still loves you. God still accepts you. Daniel knew he belonged somewhere else. He knew he belonged to someone else. That's why he faced Jerusalem when he prayed. And it's not something he did in the moment. The Bible says he did it three times a day, just like he had every other day. It was his habit to face Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day facing home. He intentionally spent time remembering who he belonged to. Jerusalem was where the temple of God was. But more importantly, Jerusalem was where the presence of God was. Daniel wanted to be in the presence of God. But he knew he didn't have to be in Jerusalem to have it. He could be with God wherever he was. God was with Daniel in Babylon. His faith endured through all the trials he faced because he knew that God was with him in everything he went through. God is with you this morning, no matter what you're going through. God has promised to never leave you 
and never abandon you. That is what our faith is in. Our faith isn't in God making everything work out the way we think it should work out. Our faith isn't in God doing what we think he ought to do in our situation. Our faith is in the fact that God is with us if the worst thing happens. If your situation you're facing, we all have this what if situation. What if this possible worst happened? God is, our faith is in God even if that worst thing happens. You're still with me. You still love me. And you're still working that worst thing out for my good. You're allowing it to happen for my good. God was with Daniel wherever he was. So we, threw the, we see this throughout the book of Daniel. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? Again, Nebuchadnezzar built the, the big idol and said, when the music plays, bow down to me. And the music played and they refused to bow down. So they, they brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, look, y'all heard the law. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not just some random Jews in Babylon. They are high up officials in Nebuchadnezzar's government. He knows who they are. He says, you heard the law. When the music plays, you bow down and worship this idol or we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. We're going to burn you alive. And then he said, I'll give you one more chance. We'll play the music and you bow down and everything's fine. Remember what they, what they told him? They said, okay, we'll do it. No. They told him, he said, you can play all the music you want to play, we're never going to worship anything but the one true God because we know that he's going to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. See, that's true faith. We know God is going to save us from this, this terrible death. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to love him. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to serve him because we know that if he doesn't deliver us, he is still God and he is still in control and he is still with us. That's incredible faith that God being with them, God will keep us safe. But if we die, we still trust God. See, Daniel was the same way. He knew that no matter what he faced in that lion's den, God was with him. If God shut the mouths of the lions, God was with him. If God didn't and he was killed or maimed, God was still with him. If God allowed him to be eaten, that was fine because God was always in control. See, Daniel never let Babylon become his home. He never let Babylon become where he belonged. He's been in Babylon for over 65 years right now. He is 78 years old. For his entire life in Babylon, serving wicked kings, he's been thrown in jail a couple times because of his refusing to bow down. He suffered because of his, his faith in God. And after all this time, not going home to Jerusalem, never seeing the temple again, not having a priest to preach at him, no one would know the difference. No one would care. He stayed faithful to God. He never let his root, his, the root of his heart grow in Babylon. 
He never held on too tightly to anything in Babylon. He never put his faith in anything Babylon had to offer. You know, when the law was passed, Daniel had a choice. He could continue to follow God or he could save his own life. He knew the best thing wasn't to live longer, but to continue to honor and seek God. And when we, we understand it that way, it makes sense to us. Here, here's what I'm asking you. What can you possibly put your hope and faith in on this earth that you're not going to lose one day? Your health? Look, no matter how well you eat, no matter how much you work out, you're going to die one day. Vegans die. They don't die as happy as us carnivores, but they still die. Well, they live longer. No, they don't. It just seems longer because they don't have bacon. You're all gonna, you, you can work out until you're, you're just in the best shape of your life. You're still going to die. You know, my, I told you about my high school algebra teacher, former, or not former Marine, retired Marine because they're never former Marines, worked out, I mean, rode bikes, ran cross country, great shape. One day he's out riding his bike and his, his heart literally just exploded. Great shape, but he died. Or you could be riding your bike and get hit by a bus. Your health is nothing to put your faith in. Because look, you can lose it. To, you can live a great life, eat all you want to eat. I mean, eat the right things, exercise, and still get cancer. You can live a great life and be healthy and take care of yourself and wash your hands and do everything right and still get a little bacteria that will kill you. Don't put your hope and your faith in, your, in your, your, your health. What about your money? You may be in a good place right now, but what if the economy plummets and you lose everything? What if you lose your job tomorrow? What if the stock market crashes and you lose all your stock options or your retirement fund goes away? Can't put it in your family or your friends or your success or your reputation because everything we can put our hope and our faith in on this world could be gone in the blink of an eye. Every one of us are one phone call away from our life being turned upside down. And everything we had our faith in being gone. And where are you going to turn if that happens? How will you face the lion's den if all those things goes away? And these men, they come and they, they tell Darius that Daniel has broken the law. And Darius, he understands then, he, he realizes that they kind of tricked him. That they trapped him because Daniel was his second in command. He trusted Daniel. He loved Daniel. He believed in Daniel. And so now they're trying to get rid of Daniel. He doesn't trust these guys. So he knows that he's made a mistake. And so he, he tries everything he can to deliver Daniel, but he just, he can't. The law's been passed. There's nothing he can do. So he brings Daniel before him. And he, he tells Daniel his fate of being thrown into the lion's den for a night. But look what he says in verse 16. This is Darius talking now. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said to Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver you. The king, the, the pagan wicked king, 
who just said, I'm a God and people should pray to me, knew where Daniel's faith was and knew that Daniel's faith was all he needed. So Daniel's thrown in. The stone is rolled in front of the entrance and the king goes home to spend a, a restless night worrying. The Bible says he didn't even sleep. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers say he didn't sleep and Daniel had the best sleep of his night. We don't know. We don't know if Daniel slept. You know, we, we always get this image that as soon as Daniel's laying, you know, late lower down, that the lions are just like purring. And he just... The Bible says he just shut their mouth. They could have still been batting down, trying to eat him. They could have been ferocious trying to eat him, just couldn't. We don't know how he lived, how he spent that night. We just know God delivered him from the lion. So the king goes home. He spends a, a, a sleepless night worrying. In the morning, he runs to the lion's den. And look what happens in verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. Imagine the king's faith is faded. He tells Daniel as they're lowering him in, your God will deliver you. But he goes the next morning, Daniel, oh, Daniel, you're dead. So, and a little voice, Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, who now does service continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths so they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Then the king was exceeding glad for him, and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. So he runs there in the morning. He's still not sure. Oh, Daniel, are you alive? Hey, king, I'm here. Daniel's lifted up. And, and he, he, there's no hurt on him. He is because he believed in God. Because of Daniel's faith in God, because of Daniel's faith in the sovereignty of God, not only is he delivered, but his enemies are destroyed. See, the king, right after he brings Daniel up, says, hey, bring those three guys who accused you here. They come, he says, look, Daniel's God delivered him. Let's see if yours can do the same thing. And throws them in and they are eaten immediately because the lions were hungry. So they ate these people immediately. His enemies are destroyed. But even better than that, Darius passes a new law that the only God that anyone in Babylon is allowed to worship is Daniel's God. This is an incredible lesson for us because it shows us where our faith should be when we face difficulties in life. It isn't in our ability to get through or someone else's ability to help us. It isn't even the, in the belief that God will stop the mouths of the lions. It is in the truth that no matter what happens in the pit, God is there working through us and working it out for our good and his glory. That no matter what we face, whether the lion's mouths are stopped or whether we're devoured, God's in control and nothing happens to us without the approval of a loving heavenly father. But there's a deeper picture here because Daniel is a picture of Jesus. Both were falsely accused by their enemies. Both were bought before a ruler that tried to save them and tried to release them from punishment. Of course, Darius tried to with Daniel and Pilate tried to deliver Jesus. Both were condemned to a violent death 
and both were sealed in a pit to prevent human intervention. Now, unlike Daniel, Jesus didn't escape death. He suffered and he died for sins he never committed. He suffered and died for the guilty, for us. There was no angel to comfort Jesus. There was no presence of God with Jesus. Instead, God turned his back on Jesus when my sins were placed on him. When Daniel came out of the pit, God was glorified, but only Daniel was saved. When Jesus came out of the tomb, God was glorified and all of humanity was able to be saved. See, Daniel faced death and came out victorious through his faith in God. Jesus faced death and he didn't escape death. He conquered death. He defeated it. He died for us and rose again to redeem us. And we can escape death by putting our faith in his finished work on the cross for us. If you want faith that endures through adversity, then we need to put our faith in the only thing, the only person who has ever overcome the greatest adversity. Jesus is why Daniel was able to endure. And Jesus is why we are able to endure. Is your faith in Christ or is it in the world? As believers, have we made this home our world and we're putting our faith in our health or our family or our abilities or our talents or our bank account and our faith is in what we can do here or do we treat this earth like it's just a temporary stay? We're not, this isn't our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. So it doesn't matter what we have, doesn't matter what we lose because our home is in heaven. And our faith is in the God who is in heaven. The God who came for us, who died for us, who rose again for us. So we need to examine ourselves. What else has a grip on our heart? What are we not willing to lose? How often do we go to him to be in his presence? To remember who he is. To remember who we are and where our true home is. He is the one true God, the, the living God. He endures forever and his kingdom will never end. If you know him, you're a child of the king, more loved than you know, and a co-heir with Jesus Christ and a new creation. Your home is with him. And if we believe this, then your faith can endure and triumph over any adversity because he has triumphed over the greatest adversity for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.